0: hello 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 everyone welcome to another goodbye bullshit hello happiness conscious parenting edition this time around i have angelique and elle with me which i'm very happy it's been a while that you guys have seen these ladies welcome back it's glad to have you yes Happy to have you guys back here. And um, today we're gonna still continue on the path from last month where we touched the subject of trauma parenting. And um, this time we're gonna bring about the generational trauma, meaning that our parents had their own uh, trauma. And so they were parenting us from a place of that trauma. So they were trauma parenting. And for us, more of, let's say, conscious generation that we started to heal that trauma as we had our own kids and the impact of that trauma parenting on the kids as we were healing them and what things we healed and what things were still a challenge during that time of healing that we were having. Um, so, ladies, again, thank you for being here. Happy to have you back. <laughs> and I'll open the floor. Let's see. We'll go from top down. So, Elle, what has been your experience with um, trauma parenting and specifically generational trauma parenting that's been passed down? Well, I can say
1: there are two that like immediately came to mind. One is corporal punishment which uh, physical discipline was something that I knew before I had my son that that was not going to be part of the vocabulary. But the one that I think I had to work progressively to heal and still am, even though my child is an adult, is parenting from fear. That's a huge one um, for me. Part of it, it can be parenting from fear because of my own traumas and experiences. So oftentimes I didn't feel confident that my son was safe in the world. So just the anxiety and then making him feel uncomfortable in the world, like he wouldn't be okay. Like I was the only person who could keep him safe. So there was that angle of fear. But then the other space of fear was him being a male child of color you could just turn on the news. I mean, this has been an ongoing conversation throughout the duration of his childhood. And so I struggled and often didn't feel like I even had the answers to how do I help him know that this world is his oyster too? Because I felt like I was participating in what kind of this larger kind of unconscious society was creating if I made him feel like he can't drive down the street, you can't walk down the street everybody around you thinks you're not gonna be enough because of your pigment. Like, I didn't want to kind of infect him with this belief Mm -hmm. individual being, but he does have to survive in a world with people who don't necessarily think like him. There were times when I felt like I literally don't know how to get this right. Um, But it evolved over time because what I began to realize was my parenting needed to stop being so big and it needed to get small. How does my child work? And this particular child is prone to, um, he's what we call, he and I talk about this, he's risk averse by nature. So what I realized was he would be better served by me infusing him with courage, but also giving him an aptitude for potentially dealing with whatever he may bump into. As opposed to making him think everything's coming for him. Um, and once I got to that part where it was like, what does Zane need? Then it started to smooth out. But his middle school years, it like there was about four or five years where I felt like I was flying blind. I mm-hmm. felt like I was putting it right. I was afraid for him. He was afraid. And he was coming into some sense that because I am a Nigerian-American male, this world isn't for me. And I knew that would not work for his soul. That wouldn't be okay for anybody to think that anything about their being was not safe or okay in the world. So it was, and my fears were loud. Um, I grew up in Indiana, middle America. I grew up in a community of 86% white people. So I was walking every day side by side with a lot of experience that was the broad brush of you are a person of color, you are black. So because that was very loud in my experience as a child, I would even sometimes negate the fact that my child was growing up in Metro DC. I wasn't even seeing that these are different times, but very different places. And it was just a lot of, he's just not gonna be okay. That's how I would feel inside. Mm -hmm. Like he's learned to be in pain Um, so that was my experience. Uh, so just really getting small and figuring out what my individual child needed so that I could get beyond that generational fear.
0: Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. I can relate to the fear part for sure, but I'm going to let Angelique take the, take it next. Mm -hmm. And then I'll talk. How was How has been your experience with trauma parenting and as you were healing that trauma and also, um, being a parent to your daughter?
2: Sure, Um, I actually like what Elle was saying and um, you know, I too am from Ohio, so from middle America as well. And um, gosh, where I was in Ohio, it felt like it was like a microcosm of the United States. I mean, it was like the perfect blend of, you know, whites blacks hispanics everything like it was just it was just a a very much a microcosm of the u.s as far as makeup and demographic in my my high school and even in college so um what i did like and love um when i was in high school and talk about from high school and how this translates into parenting today is uh, the switch that we made from my elementary junior high into my high school, went to an all-girl private high school. So it, it took away um, one of the barriers, you know, I had the barrier of being a woman, I had the barrier of being a person of color, I had a barrier of, you know, being in a household where, you know, my parents worked together and I lived in, you um, uh, lower economic, uh, status with my grandparents. So, you know, it at least took one of the barriers out. And when you take one of the barriers out, you could be freer to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it was all women <laughs> in my high school. And it, I want to say like that allowed me to be me a little bit more unapologetic. Like I didn't have to, there's one less mask I have to wear.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And when With that happening, then I went into college at the University of Cincinnati where it was a culture shock (laughs) to see the least. going from Northern, as you know, uh, in Indiana, when you go from North to South (laughs) in any given state, especially in the Midwest, it feels different. And it felt very different going from Toledo, which is basically Detroit, Canada, on down to Cincinnati, which is like hitting that Mason Dixon line, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was a culture shock for me, but I wanna say that the, the, the BIPOC folks, especially the Blacks, it was unapologetic. So I already removed my mask of being a woman and I felt like at University of Cincinnati, surprisingly, I was able to remove my mask of being Black. And, you know, it, it was actually a fun experience. <laughs> So I took that and now, you know, parenting a middle school, um, child, um, I feel like she walks without the mask. So I want to say this is, you know, I, I took those experiences and try to put her into environments where she can just be herself. And if she does find herself in, a, in an environment that is, you know, maybe a little uncomfortable or maybe she's the only one, she could quickly adapt to that. And I hate to use the word mask, <laughs> um, but, you know, she becomes adaptable to multiple environments. But when she is in a, an environment where it's more, um, more like her, her new school is predominantly African-American, but... Um, 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 but it's also a private school and she absolutely loves it. Um so she really is blossoming during a very developmental uh period of her time, middle school. And um she's making friends very quickly. The 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 you know, the teachers adore her, they're looking out for her. So it feels like she's really in her zone now, (laughs) maybe varsity volleyball team as an eighth grader. I mean, she's really in her zone now. And so, um, you know, kind of piggybacking off of, you know, making sure that our children, um, like, I, I think my fear was for her to always have to have a mask on and she's just not operating in her true self. And so out of that, Fear, I try my best to remove those barriers and obstacles so she could just be her. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. Actually, I think that's one of the things with um, with any type of parenting. Uh, mm-hmm. Society in general, I think everybody now wears so many masks that one of part of the healing and becoming more conscious is removing those masks and um fear is really is one of the biggest traumas and biggest um triggers that we bring into our parenting i know for me um i was almost ptsd parenting <laughs> um not only it was um the fears you know my mom had a lot of fears and anxieties from her life that, you know, I got to witness and take on as well as then there was my own fear and anxiety through my own life and my own traumas. And, you know, I think by nature of the type of person and, you know, most of us are actually uh, that, empathic nature that we have that you pick up that fear and anxiety so it really for me felt like I was PTSD parenting <laughs> and um it was a constantly having to remind myself uh, to stop and you know I can't pass my fears to Ilya or the fears that even has been passed down to me and also, um last time we talked about this, just moving away from, and you said it, Elle, what is what is right for me and what is right for this kid in front of me? Forget everybody else, forget everything else that the outside is telling me, let's bring it back to this kid. But um, it's been a process, just the, the fear of... Um, because then I also have a child that he has had his trauma, not just what's been passed down to him, but also his trauma during the short time that he's been here on this planet. And it's just like, we were a household of, full of fear and anxiety and just going like,
2: ah,
0: (laughs) and having to learn to, um, I think the more I was able to heal and release it, the more it got Ilya to calm down as well, to be able to um, also start to trust the universe and trust the world around him. Um, Because similarly, I mean, for us too, we're we're a unique bunch, uh, the Iranians, I think. We're not, we don't have a category, but yet we're not white either. We're not Hispanic. We're not black, but then we're not considered white either. So, um, and that was one of the other funny things, not funny, but, ha-ha, but interesting, I guess, that I noticed with Ilya, because the other part of my trauma was the love and acceptance being accepted by others that I was um, healing that I didn't want him to have. But then he ended up with that anyway. I think partly with what was passed down, but also partly from the society. And um he he doesn't have a place to belong because you know the blacks are not, well, you're not black. The Hispanics are like, well, you're not Hispanic, and the whites are you're not white. It's like then where do I belong? Can I just belong somewhere? Yeah. Um so it's been definitely um, a very interesting road. And, um, for anybody out there, I think, uh, where the message here is like, again, you do you and love your kids and figure out what works for you and works for your kid and trust that it's all gonna come together at some point. And, you know, you're doing your best we're humans, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So fear and anxiety. I mean, what are some of the examples? Do you guys do any of you have any specific things that you can remember for fear and anxiety that, um, you know, something happened and you're like, oh, let me back out and let me do this differently. Or you could see. I know for um, I was thinking for Ilya, one of the main things was, um Where I have my own fears, one of our biggest things, challenges, has been um, sleepovers. Hmm. That that was my biggest fear trigger, that thou shalt not have sleepovers at all. Uh, And we went from that to, you know, gradually, okay, we can have sleepovers with these people that i know their parents these friends that i know and my house has always been like everybody can come sleep over it here and now it's just even that i'm like well you know it's whatever works out best for us as well just i don't have to do this that was part of the other thing i think with the fear um it made me see all those places that I was have to parenting, like I have to do yeah. this, I have to do that, and it made me stop doing that. I know one of the biggest um, things that it bothered Ilya always about that fear and anxiety that was the sleepovers. Mm. Did you guys have any uh, challenges at your home for anything that you were fear parenting and the kids were like, no, we're not going to do this. (laughs) This is crazy. I had
1: one and it it evolved over years, but probably was most present um, when Zane was like in high school. Mm -hmm. He was he has now a magnificent high top. Like so high that like it's starting to fall over. Even with all the, <laughs> it is fantabulous hair, but you know he always was growing it, and he really didn't want haircuts very often. And part of my experience growing up 80s, 90s in the Midwest was they're going to judge you by how you look. They're already not going to accept you, so you have to look a part to be tolerated. Yeah. And that was the survival mechanism. And then, for of course, a young lady, and you can't look like a Jezebel. And if you wear red mm-hmm. lipstick or your nail polish is chipping, so I was raised with a lot of physical standards that were equated with acceptance, which was equated with safety. Mm-hmm. So you know, Zane now paints his fingernails, and he's got the tall hair, and he has his very own distinct style. I micromanaged his style. And Mm -hmm. I thought I was teaching him how to survive in this world. I thought I was teaching him how to like hack acceptance, if we want to call it that. But there was a day, I don't even remember what it was all about, but I had had it about him not getting a haircut. I was losing it. I mean, I was behaving very badly. Bonafide, temper tantrum parenting. I've had those. I've had those. I mean, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't pretty. I would have been ashamed if there had been a video camera. I was just losing it. And and certainly I was probably, because I often was, um, as a parent, tired. I remember Mm -hmm. it was the end of the day. It was something on my to-do list that felt like it had been there too long. But I looked at him and I could see I was breaking his spirit. And in that moment, it had nothing to do with him being black, with him being a boy, with him being anything but himself. I was breaking his spirit. I was making him feel that his individual expression would not be okay. And it was really heart-wrenching to realize Mm -hmm. the world didn't do that to my child. I was the single most powerful catalyst for making Mm. question whether or not he was okay. Mm. I mean, even now I get chills because it was like, as much as we love our children, it is a crusher when you realize that you were the conduit for damaging their sense of self. And Mm. so I still wanted him to get the haircut because I actually thought it would make his hair grow better, but then it wasn't the point that I was making. And so I just threw my hands up and I was like, you know what, do you? Now, what I did not do then that I didn't do until later, and I wish I had done it differently, was I didn't apologize to him immediately. So I backed off of it and like handed that autonomy back. But I wish I had just said, this isn't how the world has to be. And I I was wrong. I came to it later. I just wish I had come to that apology sooner.
0: I love that. Mm -hmm. And what the things that you said that I want to bring out a little bit more for everybody is that It is such a healing experience, though, for you and him, those moments that you recognize. I know you called it soul crushing, but it truly was a healing moment for both of you. And how beautiful and amazing to have those moments with your kid. And the other part of this is that I hope everybody listening is that parenting is going to have a lot of ugly moments. There are not, yeah. not, everybody thinks we're going to have to be perfect. And, you know, oh, my God, if somebody sees me right now, I'm like, I people out there already think this is the crazy house. You know, there is screaming coming from this house. My child has run outside and was screaming outside at uh, different times in his life. And, you know. I've had like, you know, when the weather's nice, the house, all the windows and doors are open so everybody can hear whatever is going on around this house. So it's not, but I also think you got to be realistic that those are part of life and that in those moments you can find those healing experiences for both of you as well. Those recognitions come in those moments if you are sort of stepping back and looking at it and remembering that you have your own traumas that you don't want to pass down to your kids. And forgiveness, one of the biggest points that you brought up, uh, it goes a long way. Every chance, every opportunity I get, um, I tell Ilya, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, can Mm -hmm. you forgive me? There's sometimes I randomly just say, hey, Ilya, you know, I'm sorry. And he's like, what? It's like, well, you know, and one of the things that recently I said was the acceptance part, because for you it was the looks, for me was behavior. Mm -hmm. I was trying to box him in a way with his behavior that the people are more accepting that he doesn't lose friends that he has friends around him so he feels loved and connected but what i was doing was actually the opposite because then that fear was making him even more fearful of his behavior of okay how do i need to behave then around people if my behavior is not correct which um wasn't my intention at all and i had to go backward and say okay no forget this you do you that's the best way so go ahead angelique
2: oh no i oh, i really enjoyed what you said um, especially with the 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 acknowledging that what you wish you would have done is apologize right after and I think that's very relatable. Also the, the, to tantrum parenting, we've all been there <laughs> and, 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 and it happens when we're, when we're tired mm-hmm. and it's a tire that does uh, say one night sleep does not cure this tiredness. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's built up within ourselves. And I've been experiencing this um, as of lately, actually, is that we're just on this go, 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 do, 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 check off boxes, whether it's work or to-do lists at home or grocery lists or running. It's like, we're, we're constantly on the go. And, and um, you know, sometimes we, I wish I do have some of the freedom that my daughter has. <laughs> like I almost envy that a little bit. And, and, you know, when I'm doing X and Y and Z all at the same time. And then I see my daughter like, oh, what's for dinner? Oh, nothing. Okay. I'm just going to go off. Like I, I almost envy that freedom. <laughs> and, and um, I think that's where my projection comes in is that uh, I, I see it as a sign of not being grateful. And I'm like, you're so ungrateful. You see me doing all of this. You see me doing, doing, doing why don't you help? <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, I project that onto my daughter when, you know, reading to when we were 13, our only lives were basically school and friends, friends in school and maybe some sports. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I like you, Elle, when I'm tired, and when it's more than just a tire that sleep will cure or a Snickers bar, <laughs> um, um, I do have to pause and not to project that tiredness on my daughter. Um, yeah. And I yeah, think that's, that's an important abundant. point. Yeah. It is. That's it an is. important
0: point. The tiredness, actually, I think, especially um, single parents, uh, working mm-hmm. parents, single parents. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a tiredness, and I think be, communicate. I what's worked for me, I can tell yeah. you, is that I communicate that. I'm like, Ilya, I love you. I am tired right now. If this is a short conversation that's a pleasant <laughs> conversation, it's going to go well. If you are going to be asking me to do anything or it's something <laughs> that is elaborate that's going to get into you saying no to something and why and challenge me, it's not going to go well because I'm tired. I'm telling yes. you right now, I'm warning you. I am tired. It's not going to go well. And he realizes now, too, when he goes there and then he says, well, you're doing this because you're tired. I said, exactly. I told you don't have this conversation with me. I'm tired. What part of this did do you understand? I am tired. I warned yes. you. Now, do you want to pause? And do this another time when I'm not tired, because we need to. <laughs> I think the parents is like we think we gotta go, 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 and we have to do everything. I'm like, no, I need my time now. Because if I don't get my time, it's gonna be very unpleasant for both <laughs> of us later.
2: So it is setting boundaries with your own children. No, it's a thing. It's true. with our own kids, like we do have yeah. to tell them. And I think as parents, we. We, we're vulnerable with our kids, but we're not, you know, saying I'm sorry is hard. It's hard to say, look, honey, I'm tired. Like, and, and to admit that we're not super, we're not a hero. Like we're, we're human, just like you. <laughs> and we need a timeout. And I like what you just said Artisa, is, you know, just verbalize to our children. Like, look, don't debate me on this. We could come back to it right now but right now we're tired and it's not going to go well or we're going to have that temper tantra parenting it is <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> but you
1: know what both Atusa and angelique you both touched on really it, it it you both took us back to it can be trauma parenting i was raised by a single parent but i'm also in the adoption constellation So I had a lot of abandonment wounds that just come from these sorts of arrangements and then were specific to the people who were in my life. Mm
0: -hmm. That
1: abandonment Mm -hmm. caused me to be afraid, fear again, that my son wouldn't know he had reliable, trustworthy, responsible adults surrounding him. So it created a Mm hypervigilance in me. You know, if I don't think his father's doing what he's supposed to do, or I don't want him to feel the way I felt, at certain ages, it just made me extremely hyper vigilant. I got to be everywhere all the time. And I can't, I I need him to think I have a cape because I don't ever want him to think that he's not solid. So that was a fierce face, but it was handed to me by watching another single parent. But then it was also handed to me by being surrounded by quite a few adults who were Mm -hmm. not the adult to me as a minor child it's real. And that was handed right down. And I didn't even catch up to that until my son was almost an adult
2: Mm.
1: because I was having difficulty understanding the boundaries. Like, why do I feel like he's holding me in dynamics and responsibilities that aren't mine? I'm sure they're his. And what I realized was he didn't even see me as human. And I was fully responsible for that. Pretending to wear that damn cape Created a lot of challenges in changing to an adult parent dynamic as opposed to adult child dynamic. And I really did manufacture the mask. I cultivated this kind of super mom thing. And so he was like, uh, what what's going on here now? Like yeah. put the cape back on. I like that lady. <laughs> yeah, hired. Yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. dropped to the ground tired. Hey, hey. I
0: love, I, I, similar, yes, yes, I, the, the cape that you're talking about, I didn't start out by saying no, you know, being honest with where I was, I 100% because of the fear, because I needed to be, make sure that he knows he's supported, and he's got, you know, I have his back, I had this cape, and then when I said, okay, no, I am not a superhero here. I am a human. And when every time I took the cape off, he did exactly the same things. Like, no, 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 no. He yeah. put the cape back <laughs> on. I'm like, oh, I, is. <laughs> I am human. I have feelings. I have emotions. I get tired and I get crappy. I need rest and I cannot go around doing these things. And I love that you brought that in. I, that was a point that I totally didn't remember. Um, beautiful. Yes. Yes. And Angie, put the ca- to put too. the capes down, ladies. Put the capes down. <laughs> but you know, that's also a
1: social trauma that's much bigger, mm-hmm. especially for mothers. Mm-hmm. People reward mothers who beat themselves to the yeah. ground for trying to yes, do it little. all. Like, even we use the term supermom and laugh about it but many of us are absorbing that and that's substituting as a definition for a healthy mom
2: i like that i like that a healthy mom versus the super mom or hey you're you're a strong woman i'm like i want to be soft
0: <laughs> i want so it
2: yes. exactly it's like you rewarded for being like a, a a strong independent woman i'm like you know what sometimes I want to be taken care of too. I want to take care of myself. I want to sleep mm-hmm. in. I yes. want to do nothing for 24 straight hours, yes. but maybe read a book. Like we want to be soft Yeah. at times. We want to be feminine at times. We don't want to, especially again, as single mothers or as working moms or entrepreneurial moms, or, you know, like, put that adjective in front of mom. Like we are all of those. And sometimes we just want to be Angelique. Sometimes we just want to be Elle. Just, we want to just be Atusa. Like we just want to be us <laughs> and not a blank type of mom or a... Oh, t- yes. <laughs> and also, Elle, you you mentioned before, um, and it kind of um, ties me back to how I was... As a child, how my dad was. And he was, he worked himself crazy. I mean, he used to run to work as training, which was about 30 miles, then work double, triple shift as an electrician in a nuclear power plant, and then maybe bike ride home. Like, and then he coached and he, he did it all. And then he snapped and then he left. And so, talk about, you know, this next level of expectations and work, 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 work hard to provide. And then he just bottomed out and crashed and then left. And so abandonment. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, as a mom, you know, I'm working, work, working, but I'm like, I don't want to end up in that tired or a break state that my dad hit. And so it's, I'm like, before I get to that point or will and to nailed it on the head. And even you did uh, when you said, Hey, I need to apologize or Otusa said, Hey, you know, I'm tired and now it's not the time. Again, I think it's now recognizing that we can't keep driving ourselves crazy and we have to put the brakes on or we're going to hit that wall. Yes. Yes.
0: Perfect everybody you need time for yourself and be honest with your kids be honest about the emotions you're having where you're at and what you're even needing so that because i think when you are that honest that it's going to give them that um ability to be honest as well and see their own emotions and know that it's okay it's okay to be tired it's okay to have emotions it's okay to say no it's okay mm-hmm. to take rest. All those things are okay. And if you give yourself permission and are honest with them about where you're at, I think they um, they can have that gift for themselves as well. And always, I think for me, um, is starting with I love you and. I love you and I'm tired. Because that's one thing that I know, again, you see where your kid is. I know for him, he always wants that reassurance and knowing that, okay, if you're doing this, does this mean you don't let me know? The I love you is always there. It's not, I may not like you. I may not (laughs) like what you're doing at this moment. And I love you is always there. That's not negotiable. It doesn't go away. It's always there. And,
2: um, I love that you replace and or but with and
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
2: a, and. it's a, but like everything before it, but I like yeah. the, the replacing but with and Yeah. I want to use that. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Me yeah. too.
2: I really like that. Yeah. I remember
1: my son sometimes saying to me, well, can I just feel the way I feel? And it was repeated enough that I started realizing what message is he getting? that He keeps asking me this question because the obvious answer to me was yes. But I hear that. I love you. And and I don't think he was getting like that. It wasn't getting prefaced. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's an, it's another trauma. I'm a retiring perfectionist. I love that. So I tended to, especially in my early parenting, operate from action. I just want task completion, very outcome oriented, not so appreciative of process. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I again begin to recognize this when he was probably elementary school age, I would often talk to him as though he was just like a a comrade and completing the task list. And so even though I feel I love you, I don't think he felt I love you and, and what I started observing was a child who may think he could earn additional love with certain behaviors, but I saw that around elementary school and I knew it had a lot to do with how I was oriented towards my life and how I um, kind of define my own success, which also has transitioned um, in the years. But one of the things I started doing was just actually saying, I just love you because. Nice. And I would say it unattached to anything. And it's funny. Like, we could just be watching TV, walking down the street. I just started randomly saying, I love you. Now that he's in school, I've seen him do this with his friends. And he has commented to me that he has more than one friend who said they didn't say I love you at all in their own home. And so it has created like a deep affection, just even in his friendships, to have somebody just affirm their love for you or their desire for your presence for literally no reason. But it was born of an observed mistake, and the mistake was only observed once, you know. And so I, I and I share this story not only because I love what you said, Atusa, but also probably the most profound things I learned and pivoted in parenting were when my child was reflecting something back to me that I knew was not my intended message. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so like, sometimes I see parents who are like so afraid to get it wrong. They just kind of don't decide how they want to stand with it. And I encourage parents jump in, just try and then Mm -hmm. read the feedback. I think that's much more powerful than just doing it because your family did it that way or just doing it because society says so, or this book says so, or the news says so jump in. It is a social experiment. It actually is. An experiment means you have to collect data.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so for me personally, once I accepted that we got to experiment and sometimes we're not going to like the feedback, but we'll respond. That made me much more bold in my choices.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Yes. Experimenting, being open and, uh, letting them know like you're seeing what's in front of you and it's like okay this didn't work out this is not what what i wanted oops all right sorry let's do it again how about this way let's see if you get the message this way and um the i love you it's interesting um i noticed Ilya does the same thing with his friends he's talking to his friends at the end he goes love you bye and the other and i wanted to say like It's like in my head, again, that fear is like, oh, my God, there are other boys. Are they going to be? And then I'm like, okay, okay, hold on, hold back. This is their thing, and what a beautiful thing it is. And then I noticed, no, actually, the friends have been more receptive of this, and now the other friends are saying, I love you, too. They're all now when they're on FaceTime call and they're hanging up, everybody's like, love you, see you, Bye. (laughs) I love that. Uh, it's, yeah, That's it's beautiful. good. It's good for them to do that. It's really There's good. never too many I love
1: yous in the world like <laughs> No.
0: All winning. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Well, lots of good conscious parenting tips for everybody out there. As always, thank you, Angelique. Thank you, Elle. Next time, hopefully, we'll have a full house, and Hillary's going to be with us as well. But thank you, ladies, and for everyone out there. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions for any of us, or if there's a topic that you like us to cover, please go ahead and put it in the comments or text us. Let us know. We'll be happy to talk about it. Be good. Enjoy. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.